Hey everyone, welcome to Sick in the City. We're Amanda and Mel, two sick chicks spilling the tea on chronic illness. Today we're going to talk about diet culture and all the things that just trigger us and bother us about diet culture and, you know, different diets that people have done over the years and weight loss programs and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to get into that, but before we do just want to say hi to Mel, who I've barely spoken to all week. Hey, oh my God. we're practically strangers. I realize I know who are you <laughs> yesterday? I'm like, I haven't talked to Amanda in four days, like three days. I know. Which is, I, I mean, we're just Weird. in constant communication typically. And my mom and my little sister were here visiting. Well, my mom was visiting, but my sister moved in um, and my mom was here for the week. And so we were just out and about Wappinger yeah. Falls and in Hudson Valley, going around shopping, doing a lot of shopping. But yeah, sweet Amanda. Like I texted her yesterday. I'm like, I miss you. Where are you? And you're like, I was giving you space while your mom. I was. was here. Well, I didn't want to, you know what it is? Like, I kind of will feel like you and I chat so often that all of our chats are not exactly like, you know, stage five importance or level <laughs> five, whatever it is importance. So like I was doing a lot of like, if Mel is spending time with her mom and her sister, is it important for me to tell her that I accidentally did not watch the last season of Working Moms? Is this a level five issue or a level one issue? And so I was like, you know what? Let her come to be. I'll yeah. let her come to be and then we'll talk about it. And now we get to talk more about these things on this yeah. episode, which is great. We I mean, have more to discuss, which we'll try to like, you know, keep it the cliff notes instead of dying typing into all the details from the past two weeks. But I mean, we have a lot to cover because a week and a half ago was your bridal shower, which it was feels like it was a lifetime ago now. <laughs> I know. I know. It's really unbelievable, especially because I haven't really been, I haven't posted any of the pictures or anything yet that my aunt was taking. So I kind of feel like it didn't even happen. You know, like if you don't post it on social media, did oh. it happen? I don't think so. Did it happen? Well, um, I'm like waiting for that cute photo of us like in I front know. of the ocean. I know. <laughs> so great. It was such a nice day. And, you know, I think it was so great to just finally have these moments where I can see friends and family and just, you know, have conversations with people that aren't about the pandemic, you know, just, yes. it was just nice to be around people and catch up. I haven't seen so like so many of my friends and family in so long. So it was just a really nice day. It was really fun getting to meet your people. Cause I feel like I've heard all these names and yeah, I mean, it, there were so many levels of newness that happened in that afternoon. I, I mean, yeah. not just for me, but that was really the first event I'd been to in a year and a half. And so I'm here like thinking, let's see how my small talk is these days after a year and a half of no small talk. Wow. The conversations really were just flowing. And I was very pleasantly surprised by how every single topic I brought up, everyone at the table I was at was like, yes, queen. Like, I don't even know. Cause sometimes I just word vomit, like things just kind of, yeah. And I'm like, why am I talking about Riverdale right now? <laughs> suddenly the entire table was like, we love Riverdale. <laughs> yeah. You were, you were working the room. You know, it's, oh. it's kind of one of those things that I feel like there are a handful of people in my life who know what I do kind of behind the scenes. Like some of them know what's going on with the nutrition piece. And then there's people that I haven't seen in a long time who don't know. So there were people coming up to me that were like, I was talking to Mel and 
I didn't know that you had a podcast, like, or (laughs) I didn't know that you were doing nutrition. Like, let's talk about it. And then, which is even funnier, you know, is all the people that were coming up to me that were like, I love your podcast. And I listen to you and I follow Mel now. And like, you're just like the dynamic duo now. (laughs) I'm like, I'm in the line getting these adorable little party favors, which are like little honeys with, with honey sticks and your little essential oil roll-ons. And it was so cute. And somebody behind me is like, I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> Wait, who was that? That's hilarious. I don't know. I don't know. I, like, there were so many people there. I was like, yeah. thank you. They're like, we listen to the podcast. We're fans. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people were fangirling out about, so about funny. the podcast. And that was just so amazing. Like it just, that feels really good. I think to be able to, you know, show that side of me, like to be able to share that with people is so good. And so I love that people yeah. are doing that and, and it was good. And there was a vegan cake and free treats too. and gluten-free. And I had a, a vegan dish specially made that was delicious, which I think gives me a little bit less anxiety when starting to think about the wedding and stuff. Cause I, I do feel, I was so nervous about the shower. Just how is it how am I going to be? Am I going to feel okay? All of that stuff. And then it's like, what do I eat? Yeah, <laughs> you know? Well, it, it all just went off without a hitch. And I feel like too, yeah. there's a lot of anxiety around. I feel like so much for you has changed in the past yeah. year and a half. I mean, diet, drinking, yeah. like so much has changed to the point where it was like, how, how am I supposed to be in this environment? Yeah. And that always is really anxiety inducing and, and just having so many people who are close to you, who know you that are like, I'm going to make you a vegan gluten-free cake. We're going to do it. And yeah, your mom walks around and sets down cookies and she's like, I made those. They're, they're gluten-free Melanie. Like people were coming around and telling me like, this is what you can eat. You're going to be good. And I was like, Oh my God, like this is real allergen friendly. Totally. Totally. And that's, and I love that. And I, you know, my, my mom did such an amazing job and my mother-in-law and like, they're just, it was great. And yeah, I mean, you, you were so funny because you and I were talking the other day and we were talking about RuPaul's Drag Race, which we'll talk about on Hot Goss, but you were like, Amanda, you love drag queens. Like, and you were asking me about, and I was like, yeah, but I don't think anyone knows that I love drag queens. <laughs> like when we were talking about it, I'm like, because I feel like so much has changed for everybody during the pandemic. And, you know, we've all discovered parts of ourselves or we've learned new skills. And then it's like, we're around all these people that have known us for years. And we're like, I'm different now. I'm different. So much has changed. Like I, I had a friend from work who texted me last night who I haven't heard from since before we moved. And, and he randomly was like, yeah, like, what are you up to now? And I'm like, how do I even put that into words? Like I, I'm, doing a totally different career now and I'm working from home and I'm in upstate New York, like everything is (laughs) polar opposite right now. And yeah, it's just overwhelming. I mean, and it was just a really nice surprise. I think realizing that I could still be the version of me that I've grown to enjoy in this solidarity, right? Yeah. And And be accepted. Yeah. And, and that was something too. I know we've kind of talked about how it's, it's hard to discuss dietary changes with people who just like don't understand and and I don't even know how we got onto a topic at the table talking about like gluten and dairy and not eating it but all of a sudden everybody was like yeah I wish I could eat 
gluten yeah. and dairy free everybody all of a sudden everyone and I'm like oh like wow okay this is like a topic everybody wants to discuss and then they start asking me more questions and yeah. then somebody we ended up even getting into like a vaccine conversation I was like you know what we have a podcast episode for that <laughs> I was like, yeah. let's leave it at that. Definitely listen to that. Yeah, <laughs> oh totally. God. No, it's so true. And I get that a lot too about being vegan or plant-based. You know, a lot of people are always like, I wish I could be that way. And I think just presenting it in a way that, you know, we're proud of, like, I, I'm not ashamed to be yes. vegan and I love it. And I, I'm always like, listen, if there's not an option for me, there's not an option for me. But I, what I make really clear to my family you know, especially because I feel like I'm, I spent more time with my family than friends these days, right? Like with, with everything that's been going on. And I'm just like, listen, there's, I have non-negotiables and those are animal products. Like I, my non-negotiable is meat. Mm-hmm. My non-negotiable is dairy. You know, it just is. And that's it. Like yeah. I, I won't do it. Yeah. And something I've been realizing that I have been giving advice to a lot of people on Wellery lately is is how to socialize, how to socialize when you have food dietary restrictions. And my advice has been to bring whatever you want. You know, if, if you are going to go to a game night with friends and everybody's going to have all these snacks and there's no snacks you can eat, why not just bring a snack, you know, contribute to what's going to be on the table or bring a side dish that you can enjoy like a yummy salad or something that, you know, will be enough to sustain you throughout the evening, throughout the night. And if you're tempted to eat that thing that, you know, hurts you, oh, well, good thing I bought guacamole and then chips and siete chips or or veggies that I can nom on instead of those other things. And, and so many people have been like, it saved my life. Like I actually feel good when I go home after hanging out with friends now. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's that the whole thing. difference. Right. And that's the whole thing. Then you don't have that hangover the next day from food, right? You don't have like the sugar hangover. You don't have, like, you will go home. Like, I remember when I would have those days where I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to indulge, right? Like, what that would actually look like in a time when I would restrict and indulge, mm-hmm. which is kind of the topic today, right? We're going to talk about diet culture and all that stuff, but like, so restricting and binging, mm-hmm. then I would feel horrible versus kind of building this lifestyle of like, this is how I eat. This is how I like to eat. Like I'm cool with that. And because of that, I then make vegan treats and I, so it's not restrict and binge, right? It's just yes. like what I do. So then when I have an event like this, I don't feel bad when I get home. I don't feel bad the next day because the things that I do don't make me feel bad. Yes, exactly. And finding that balance between what, you know, makes you feel bad and the things that make you feel good and, and just still enjoying the food you eat. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm very excited to cover diet culture. I feel like it is something both of us have really just experienced our entire lives, things that we've been through programs we've been through. There's so much. And I know I did want to like tell you one last funny story before we dive into the topics, but while my mom and my sister were here yesterday, we had to put her on a train to Uh get her to Manhattan because she's visiting my brother the past, the last couple days that she's in town. And, and we are not public transit people. Like there's not a lot of public transit in Texas. Um, so I got really good at the subway while I lived in the city, but putting my mom on a train and sending her an hour and a half to Manhattan. It was like very nerve wracking for us. We're like, okay, mom, like, do you have enough battery on your phone? Like, oh my God, like we just need to make sure you're good. 
And so she has all this luggage. And my experience on trains is mainly in Chicago. And typically Mm -hmm. they like take a minute or two to let everyone board and they like take your tickets and it's like a slow process. But the freaking Metro North Railroad train here, you get on and it freaking leaves. And so we, (laughs) you could have asked me about the Metro North, by the way. (laughs) Well, it just, I don't know. I just assumed it would be. Yeah. No. Well, if it's sitting there, like in the city, you can board it for a while, but when it just makes stops and continues going, like it, it doesn't care if you need to like load your luggage. What do you mean? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking, but we were like, well, we'll help our sweet mom onto the train. And like, we brought all of her luggage on, onto the train. She gets on the train. We turn around and the door is closed. (laughs) No, no. Oh my God. No, that is a nightmare. Oh my God. And we, there's like an emergency button to open the door and we're like pushing the emergency button. Like, no, (laughs) Oh, train leaves. (laughs) Oh my God. We just like, didn't pay for parking. Like we left our car there because we thought we were just going to drop her off. What did you do? Did you have to like take an Uber from the next stop? I can't believe. I mean, we were sitting there just thinking, things could have been so much worse because thank God we had our phones. We had our bags. Like we almost didn't bring anything with us and we did. So we get off at the next stop, which was like 10 minutes South. And we get off and we're like, I guess we just sit here and wait for another train that is going to be going back to where we came from. (laughs) So the next train wasn't for 40 minutes. So we just sat there for 40 minutes. I can't, I can't. That is ridiculous it's so Uh, funny because yeah that's that's the problem so I'm also metro north line that's also my my line um so that's what I would take into the city too but obviously a lot further south than you but yeah no they yeah they do not wait for people yeah you cannot just like casually go on there and like get your mom settled in there's no they're on a you know it's automated yep now I know I mean, I know. I feel like maybe we should have like gone over the handbook, <laughs> the New York handbook. There is something that I had actually wanted to mention to you. I never say stuff like this because it's so obnoxious. But when you first moved and you started talking about the highways, what did I say? You were saying them to me so West Coast. I don't remember. I think you called it like the nine or something. <laughs> You're like, yeah, the nine. And I'm like the Henry Hudson, <laughs> like the, the Hutch. Like we don't we don't do that. You don't go by numbers? No. We Ever? we have nine. So there's 95, okay. which is the highway 95. We call that 95. Everything else is the Taconic, the Hutch, um, the Sawmill. Yeah, we don't. The nine is is the Henry Hudson. Nobody calls it. This route is nine. news to me. I'm and so if it was, glad. it would be it would be route nine. It wouldn't be like the nine. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up because in Texas, it's all it's 75. 30 like it's all the numbers so that's just yeah. what I'm like at like California I mean it's like yeah. that that <laughs> SNL skit that they do the Californians they are like four yeah they're like you take the 502 to the 202 or 202 whatever it is um it, yeah so it's not that's all the ones in our in our area but because I was thinking if you the nine would probably be route nine which is the henry hudson then we have we do have one that we call 287 but it's also called something else every it's yeah so that's the that's the whole thing so you probably took 
the Taconic. Now, the other thing about this area is that some of the names are just like inherited names and they're not the actual names of things. So like, that's also like, <laughs> there's so much I have to learn. I know. I know. Anyway, <laughs> so we want more like people with that. Such a noob. I was a no. I just don't, I, I'm just not the type of person I never correct people ever. And I yeah. laughed about it and then was like, you had been through enough cause you just moved. So I was like, <laughs> I will tell her eventually that, 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 that happened. Cause it was Today's just funny. Today's the day. Today's Today's the day. day. Yeah. Oh well, God. now that you, that you couldn't get like handle a train. <laughs> and yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you could handle it, but you know, moving to a new place, there's just always new yeah. things you have to learn. And we learned a very valuable lesson and thank God my sister and I were together. We were yeah. picturing like, what if, <laughs> what if we had gotten on with her luggage first and like, for some reason the door closed and she was still on the platform and like, we were on the train. Like what yeah. if that had happened? Like there's just so yeah. many things that it's just, have gone wrong. Yeah. It's just the difference of areas. Like when I was traveling the country, i feel like one of the things that I found to be so wild about Texas and wacky is that in Austin, I don't remember if this is the same about Dallas, but you can tell me has half streets. Like it would be like 14th and three quarters. Oh, like no. on the streets. And I remember taking a picture of it and being like, am I in Harry Potter? <laughs> what is this? God, street nine and three quarters. Yeah, that I've is never. Do you know what that. I'm talking about? I don't no. know. I I swear I have photo evidence of this from Austin. Okay. Like this is a thing. We'll I will I will dig in and send it. Um, but yeah, and I was like, is the like where am I? Like we don't do this where I'm from. They're just regular streets. <laughs> That's really interesting. Now I kind of wish that was a thing. I've I have noticed that there's a lot of names of cities that have the word kill in them up here. Yes. Do you know why? No, tell me. Oh my God. History. Um, yeah. Cause it means town. So it's actually the way that they were naming the different towns. So that's why it's fish skill peak skill. That's like, cause there's a lot of history within just like Westchester and upper New York, just like in general. So that's, that's why they're all called that. And Rob could definitely give you a, a history lesson on why, because he looks all this stuff up, but I'm obsessed. We, yeah, that's that's why it actually like refers to the different areas. Oh, I've, I'm over here thinking like everybody's just really into you know like killing murder mysteries. Yeah, like lots of killing. I don't murder <laughs> mysteries. <laughs> yeah, um, no. I love that though. I'm gonna start yeah. calling like fish kill like fish town. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's also there's also my favorite town name ever is um, on the way to where you are, and it's called Stormy Town. I love that. I don't know what it, I don't know why, but I just think, I just have this like image of people just like, I don't know, in olden days. And they're like, this is a stormy town. Stormy. (laughs) I will call it stormy town. (laughs) And like, that's, that's it. I love it so much. I love that. Wow. We are uh, the history geography topics and we need to dive into diet culture. And it's funny because you and I have really been nonstop talking about diet culture like through the weeks and I think we've been really excited about covering this because this is something that's just constantly on our minds and constantly popping into just conversations we're having with with people or clients or you know our on social media and yeah there's just so much to unpack because 
I know you and I have both kind of had our own stories, but the reason we decided to cover it this week is because I was watching Hulu over the weekend yeah. and there was some weird ad for Beachbody that came up and and it was all these just totally ripped, muscular, like intense bikini people. And it was like, have a beach body with our program. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh, and it just, I, I was triggered. I was triggered. I like audio message you. I'm like, I hate the term beach body. Like, what I, is a beach body? I, I don't understand. I, first of all, I hate the beach body people. Like that <laughs> whole organization needs to be yeah. shut down. Yeah. But like you have a body, you go to the beach. This is not, this is not rocket science. No, right? anyone can have a body and go to the beach no matter what your body looks like a beach body it just makes me so mad because it's like yeah. saying that you don't deserve to be at the beach if you don't have a body that looks like theirs right right, right. like that's like saying you got to get prepped for the summer like to yeah. have a beach body in order to be seen in a bikini and it drives me nuts because yeah. it is just shaping the idea of what being healthy should look like yeah Right. Which is nothing, right? Like there's no, there's no look to it. I think, you know, one of the things that has continually bothered me and triggered me throughout just like the course of just kind of understanding more and more about nutrition, right. Is that there's a bunch of people online and in the media and other places who put out a lot of messaging and information that is incorrect. Any Tom, Dick, or Harry can get Beachbody certified, right? Like they can get these different things. And then they're promoting information that's like, you know, plug and play workouts and plug and play nutrition. Like that's the way that I call it. It's kind of just like this apply, right? So they're like, okay, so-and-so Arnold Schwarzenegger lookalike got fit on this, like, you know, Beachbody workout. But like, that doesn't happen to like, I don't know, Sally Sue living in Texas. And then she feels horrible about herself, you know? And then it's like, oh, well now I can't go to the beach because I don't look like Arnold. Yeah. And it's right? giving a lot of the, you know, different meal plans, a bad rep at points too. Yeah. There is a version of vegan that isn't healthy. Like that's mm -hmm. all sugar, all processed carbohydrates, yeah. like flour up, you know, just tons of things like in keto, keto was a yeah. big one too, for me that I yeah. remember when a lot, I mean, a lot of people come to me and are like, well, we know keto is like the healthiest thing and, but we can still eat dairy, right? We can still eat all this dairy. Yeah. I can still eat cheese. Like that's mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. It's like, I want to do that one. Cause I can still eat cheese. And, and it's like, there's not any one specific version of what is going to be right for you. And, and I know for me, specifically, like I couldn't really tolerate keto because it's so high fat and, yeah. and my body just can't digest that much fat and neither can yours. And that's something we've talked about yeah. before, but, but there's not any one size or shape or style of healthy that is the right kind of healthy. And, and that's something that I have learned the hard way. And, and I know you and I kind of wanted to talk about some of the weight loss programs and things yeah. that we did. Uh, you know, as we grew up in our teens and in our twenties, cause I was always a very overweight kid. I mean, I yeah. was overweight up until I was 19, a sophomore in college when, I mean, all I was eating was like bagels and like, I had the food court for the first time in my life. And I was like, woo, yeah. Nutella on everything, like totally my life. And, and I think 
throughout my high school years, I did Jenny Craig. I think I did Jenny Craig at one point when I was 15. And then we ended up trying Weight Watchers for a while because it seemed more doable when I was going to school. And right, right. So long before I was even an adult, I had experience with weight loss programs. And yeah, I kind of wanted to hear about like some of the programs that you did. Yeah. So same here. Um, I kind of did you know, Weight Watchers in high school. So I'll say, I'll say this kind of, you know, I was, I was really, really athletic as a kid. And so growing up, I did a lot of sports and I will never forget being in camp and it was sports camp. So we like swam twice a day and we did sports from eight to four. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember they would give us ice cream during the day. And I remember my pediatrician being like to my mom, like they give her ice cream every single day. Like that's so bad. And my mom was like, the kid is literally like, she's running all day. Like, and she, and I was fine. Like I was, I was athletic. I wasn't overweight. And I just remember like stuff like that growing up. And then when I got to high school, I stopped doing sports and I started drinking alcohol Mm. on a very (laughs) young age and, you know, then all the eating and all the stuff that comes with that. And so like, because of that, I had put on weight that I never had on my body before because I was always doing sports. So like I started doing things like Weight Watchers with my grandma um, and like curves. I don't know if you guys had curves in Texas. Did you have curves? I did curves with like all middle-aged women just like standing (laughs) on the boxes, like horrible. Um, I also did South beach diet when I was in high school, Mm. completely incorrectly. Like I would just be like, oh, I can have peanut butter. So I would just eat peanut butter all day on a spoon, (laughs) just (laughs) peanut butter all day. Um, yeah, that was high school. I'm trying to think what, I mean, I got, I've done it all. I think we talked about once how I did the cabbage soup diet. Yes. Cabbage soup for a week. Terrifying. Um, terrifying. I really didn't do any like fads or anything. Um, it really was just more about constantly counting calories. Yeah. And, and especially even when I started, uh, losing all the weight when I was in college. Cause I, I did Jenny Craig. I think I was at the point where I was independent and I was able Mm -hmm. to make decisions for myself in regard to food. And I was ready to, you know, be the size I felt like I truly was like on the inside. Right. I was like, I just don't feel like this is like, you know, my body. And that was kind of what was important to me at the time. It wasn't really like, I want to be skinny. It was just, I want to be healthy. Like at the time, but it did turn into more than that. I mean, it always does. Yeah. Especially as you start losing weight and and Mm -hmm. I lost almost a hundred pounds. So it was like night and day for me. But the thing that I realized after the fact, and and it was a really incredible time of my life. I mean, a lot came from that. My love mm-hmm. for nutrition, my love for for health, my love for, you know, helping people reach their goals, their health goals. Yeah. Like a lot yeah. of where my knowledge base came from when I got sick was really from my experience losing weight because I, and I also knew that my body could change if I changed what I was doing to it or what I was putting in it. I realized that I had full control of my body. Right. Right. And so I'm thankful for that time period. And I am thankful for Jenny Craig and and what it did for me and what it brought for me. And, but it did allow me to lose a lot of weight very quickly. And I do think that's what gave me some gallbladder issues because it's so low fat 
that I wasn't eating fat really at all for like a year and a half. And I lost 90 pounds at that time in a year and a half. And I was working out every day and, and just to the point where once I got sick and I was that size, my body was just like fatigued because I don't think I had enough on me, enough muscle, enough fat, whatever it might've been to really kind of support a stressed body. Um, yeah. Yeah. And at that time I kind of realized maybe I needed to like weight train more just to like right. feel better. Cause I was right. tired all the time, but I didn't know why. And I was eating just extremely low calorie, like what I thought was healthy. Right. Like yeah. I would eat salads for lunch with hummus and I would eat like, I don't even remember like low calorie canned soups and stuff for right, right. Dinner. low fat, low fat stuff. And yeah. you know, it's, it's tough because there's so much information out there, so much of which is poor and unfounded. And I think that that's part of the issue is like, you're hearing that that's healthy because that's what people on Jenny Craig are doing. That's what other people are doing. And not to mention you're losing weight and it's, and it's working. So you're like, obviously this is the way to keep doing it. And I think that's part of what makes people say stuck in the cycle is that when it stops working, then you start to feel like a huge failure. And you're like, why isn't this working? Why don't I feel good? Like, and then you question, you question everything, right? Like that's, that's what happens. I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and that's why I was so confused is because I was eating straight up just vegetables and Mm -hmm. barely anything dessert or alcohol wise, like, and I was bloated out the wazoo. Like my body was inflamed. I was, I felt like I was gaining weight. My stomach sometimes looked six months pregnant. Like, and no matter what I did, even after work, going to work out at the gym, what would normally make me feel good stopped making me feel good. I felt exhausted after I worked out. Were you eating a lot of processed foods? Yeah, like a lot yeah. of stuff in packaged. Yeah. yeah like, like I, and the cuisine. Jenny Craig foods. Oh my God. Lean cuisines. Like yeah. it makes me laugh sometimes to just think about all the things we thought were healthy in general, right? Mm. Like, or just things we thought were low fat. Like I remember thinking wraps were healthier than bread just because that was like the thing, right? Or you thought like lean cuisines. I ate so many of the fettuccine Alfredo lean yes. cuisines. Like those were... And not to lose weight, but also just because like they were easy and, you know, that was the thing. Like we, that's what I, you know, where you just believed whole wheat was better than regular. You know what I mean? Like these are the things that you just thought were healthier because we didn't know. And now too, I'm realizing through Wellery that, that it, not a lot, a lot has changed in the community, um, especially with like younger twenties and like that generation at this point, um, they do have a more healthy mindset for the most part. Mm-hmm. It, it's less processed foods, but at the same time, a snack is like a handful of almonds and it's like, are they organic? Like, you know, where did they come from? Are they roasted? Right, no, right, right. oil? Like, there's just a lot of details that it's like, if your digestion's not working that great, just like a handful of almonds is really hard to digest. Right. Or if and, you're allergic to almonds. Right. Right. Or like the sterols, like that's my whole thing because even as a adult who is educated on nutrition, I've made, I've made faux pas, right? Like, I mean, for, you know, it took me a really long time to learn what works and doesn't work. Like 
to your point, I did keto. I read all the keto books. I thought I was doing keto the right way. It did not work for my body. I gained a lot of weight. I was very frustrated. I was very inflamed. And even with paleo, I mean, I've done whole 30, I've done paleo numerous times and it never worked for me the way that it works for other people. And I would use that as a weapon to beat myself up. And that was restriction and binge restriction and binge. I'm not going to eat any of the, or I have to do more. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things for me, when I went into my genetic makeup is that I actually have an issue processing the sterols that are in things like almonds. So Mm -hmm. when I would do a whole 30 and would just be like, well, I'm having almond butter all the time and it's fine because it's paleo and it's whole 30. Well, like my body was like, no, you know what I mean? So like, to your point, there's so many more questions and I think everybody's doing a really great job at having more accessibility to healthy foods, but then there's still this piece that's missing of like the kind of bio-individuality of people, right? I feel like diet culture as a whole is really just trying to put people in a box. Like it's like really trying to define it as if you eat this way, you'll be healthy or you'll lose weight or, you know, and it's not that simple anymore. It's not, it's not so simple as like, if you eat less calories than you're burning in a day, you will lose weight. Maybe you will, but you might still be inflamed. Like you you might still be inflamed and you might be not be able to tell you're losing or you're stressed out because of the sugar you're eating and and your body won't allow you to shed that, those pounds. Like there's so much, because if you're in a stress state, your body is not going to lose weight. Like it holds onto it because it, it needs to, to help you balance out that stress. Exactly. It's a protection. Mm -hmm. And, and to that point, I think you can do anything the right or wrong way. Like, so, you know, you could, to your point, I mean, there's a plenty of stuff like the, you know, vegan burgers, those are horrible for you. Like, I'm sorry, they're chemicals, like they're not good for you, you know? And so, and then, you know, on the other side of that is like gluten-free, right? Like everyone's like, if it's gluten-free, it's good. Mm-hmm. Now I first, I went gluten-free for the first time back in 2009. And when I went gluten-free and you probably were doing it around the same time, like there was one brand, yeah. like there was like Glutino and that was like it, you know, uh-huh. maybe Char, like those were the only two gluten-free, but like there was like nothing now there's so many options and everybody hears gluten-free, gluten-free, gluten-free. And they're like, well, it's better for you, but there's gluten-free Oreos now and gluten-free cereal. Like it's still cereal. It's still Oreos. Yeah. yeah you know I, I will. I will admit on this podcast to our listeners, because I know you will understand. And I, yeah. I admitted this to Amanda because I simply just had to say it out loud, but after you know, five to six years on paleo, when I saw that those gluten-free Oreos came out, I was like, <laughs> you know what? One day, one day, if I'm feeling real good, I'm going to try one. Like, I'm just yeah. going to try one. I'm going to see how it goes. It's dairy-free. It's gluten-free, which are my two biggest food intolerances. So I was like, I'm just going to try it. And I had a couple of them, uh, like a week and a half ago or something. I, I tried some, I was just feeling real good. And I ate those gluten-free Oreos. Yeah. And you know what happened? <laughs> The whole next week, my hypoglycemia was acting up like a bitch. I'm like sure. my yeah. blood sugar would just not balance out. I was having awful headaches in between meals. I felt like just 
tired. I, I was waking up feeling tired. I'm like, what is happening to me? And I, I kept trying to just drink more, more water. Cause that's typically what happens if I feel kind of brain foggy or, mm-hmm. or, or dizzy or headachey throughout the day. And it, nothing was helping. And finally I was like, it's probably those damn Oreos. Yeah. And it's fine. Right. I think, I think that's the other thing is that it's fine. Like one of the things I always hated about whole 30 was that if you mess up whole 30, they made you start the 30 days over again. Like they'd be like, God forbid, if you accidentally consume gluten or dairy, you're like back on the whole thing. And I just was like, that is not sustainable for life. Like these are life things, right? So of course I have vegan icing sometimes and I do desserts and I do those things. And I've had people say to me that like, oh, Amanda, well, it's still dessert. Like I just said, and I'm like, yeah, but I want to have dessert in my life. Like, so that's, those are the choices. Like it doesn't matter to me. It's opportunity cost. Like you do it and then you know what you're, you're Mm going to deal with. Mm -hmm. I think the problem is, is that when we are too restrictive and we really just like, are like, you know what, I'm going to just give up. I don't know, all carbs, right. You're going to find yourself craving carbs. Yes. Closing out the the loop on gluten-free as a clinical nutrition, one of the nutritionists, one of the things that I learn is that if you don't have celiacs and you don't have a gluten intolerance, a non-celiac gluten intolerance, or an allergy to wheat, if you are on a a gluten-free diet and you don't need to be, you actually end up having deficiencies in certain micronutrients and vitamins and minerals. So it's not for everybody. You know, it's, it's not, it's not the solution for every single person that has a digestive issue or has an issue. And I think that's, what's lacking is that it's just like, these are the things you need to do to be healthy. And it worked for me or it's going to work for you. And that's it. And that's a problem. There's not a one size fits all. And that really is my motto in this industry is that everyone is going to need something different to to reach their health goals. And I think that that's something I've learned the hard way throughout the past four or five years of my own health journey, because my weight has constantly fluctuated. And like, I didn't know why for a long time, that was kind of my first goal was like, why am I, why am I so bloated? Why am I putting on this weight? I can't fit in my clothes. Like that was kind of my first goal at the beginning of all this was like, oh, I don't know why my body just doesn't look like my body right now. And then throughout the years, I realized that through healing, our body totally is going to fluctuate. Our weight is going to fluctuate. And, and I went through a period of time where I lost, I was losing weight as I was trying to get healthy because of mainly the gallbladder flushes I was doing. Mm -hmm. But at the time I got down to, I mean, my normal weight is like within the 160, 180 range. That's like a healthy weight for my height. Mm -hmm. I got down to about 138 pounds, Wow. which I mean, I'm five, nine, like I'm tall. Yeah. And I was frail. Like I wasn't fitting into any of my bras. It's like my whole body just like disappeared. And I was sicker than ever. And that's the the skinniest I've ever been. Right. Like, but that wasn't what was important. And that's when I think everything changed for me as far as body image, because I realized, yeah, I'm skinny. I'm the skinniest I've ever been, but I feel terrible. Right. I feel terrible. And, and that kind of skyrocketed this whole new chapter of like, I need to eat what I want to eat and 
like gain this healthy weight enough to where my body can be in balance. And I think that's what started like the, the balance between still eating those yummy, good for you desserts, finding those alternatives that I can keep around the house. Cause so many people too, especially with me when losing weight, it's like, just don't keep it in the house. Don't keep it in the house and you want it. But like, yeah, you will, you go out, you have a drink of alcohol right. with your friends. You're going to get it. Like, right. You still have cravings. I, I always say this about, you know, I, I have struggled so much with, with weight in my adult life. And to your point, when you're dealing with like with inflammation, nobody ever asked me what was underlying. It was all like, you need to work out harder. You need to restrict more. And part of those voices were my voices and other were others were trainers, other nutritionists. Like I never would even trust myself, right? Like I would always have to go to another nutritionist or another trainer. And it was like, I wasn't good enough, right? Like I couldn't do it myself. I couldn't trust my own body. And I would have people, those people be like, well, you just need to eat less of less carbs. You need to eat less this. And what's wrong with you, you know? And all of these things. Right. And so I get very triggered by like the whole restriction thing, because when I stopped restricting foods and I let my Italian self eat pasta, like I stopped binging. Like Mm -hmm. I don't binge eat anymore because if I want a bowl of pasta, I have a bowl of pasta to me, you know, people will say to me that they think my diet is very restrictive being plant-based, but I don't feel that it's restrictive because I like the way that I eat. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I, it's about. Like, and I always say to people, if you love meat, don't be a vegan. This is not complicated. (laughs) You know what I mean? This is not complicated. Like if you really like it, you know, and I know that there are people who have celiacs and they can't just have a bowl of like a real pasta, like I do. But what I, what I always say to people is that like, I always make sure that whatever it is that I have, I have the best possible version of it. I have organic, I have clean ingredients and I just eat the best possible food. Mm -hmm. And then that makes me feel better. But none of those other diets or restricting ever worked for me. Counting calories, counting macros. I have done it all. (laughs) Like, yeah, it doesn't work. No. And people still ask me, like, even at your bridal shower, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you do it? How do you not eat this cookie that's sitting here right in front of you. And I look at it and I'm like, cause I don't want it. Like I, cause I, I relate how that food made me feel to like not wanting to eat it. And even now after really removing processed sugars and things that just totally mess me up, I can smell a, like a store made processed cake from a mile away. And it smells disgusting to me. Yeah. I'm like that. I don't even want it. Like I smell the Krispy Kremes and everybody's like, Oh, like, you know, drooling. I'm like, I don't, I, it doesn't smell good to me because yeah. you have to figure out what to keep around. That's going to indulge those cravings without making you feel bad about right. yourself or physically in your own body. Right. Right. And, and one of the things too, that I always found about the kind of restricting and binging is that I would eat foods in both directions that I didn't even like, like I would eat something just because it was paleo or whole 30 approved or keto. And I would do it just because it was like, I would look at a menu and I wouldn't say, what, what do I want to have? I'd say, what can I have? Like, what can I have on here? And then I would eat things I didn't even like. 
And when I would binge, it was the same thing. Like I never get to have ice cream and suddenly I'm eating a pint of ice cream. And what I've started to learn about myself is like the foods I actually like and the foods I don't like. Like, I don't really like barbecue. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like that kind of stuff, but I would eat it. Cause I'd be like, Oh, well this is pale, you know, like stuff like that, that would be acceptable. And same totally. thing with treats. I actually, I tell you this and you think that I'm like a serial killer, but I don't like chocolate. <laughs> I don't like chocolate. I just don't like it. And recently it makes me nauseous to even smell it. And, but I, if, if something was chocolate and paleo, I would eat it. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's why? Like I don't know. I don't know. It's like, that's what we just think we were supposed to be doing. And I, I think yeah. that goes into the whole diet culture community and, and world, because it's like, we're all just trying to listen to what we think is going to make us look like the freaking model in Victoria's Secret. Like, and I, I saw something on TikTok the other day where Kim Kardashian was being interviewed and somebody asked her, do you think that you're setting unrealistic beauty standards for women? And she said, no, she was like, no, we work really hard, you know, to, to like look the way we do. And I'm like, girl, no, like you, you have so much money and so many trainers and you have plastic surgeons and you don't look the way you do because you eat well and work out. Didn't Yeah. Didn't Kanye like fire somebody because he wanted her to get to an unhealthy weight. And the trainer was like, did you ever hear this? No, I don't remember what the number was, but basically they wanted her to get down to some unrealistic number. And like the trainer, nutritionist, whoever it was, was like, that's not, not only realistic, but unhealthy. And Kanye was like, you work for us. Like, basically you need to figure this out. Like, this is what she wants to weigh. This is what she said. And like, make it happen. Oh God, it, Which it is drives just me crazy. No, I, I think what I really, what I've realized is a big goal of mine lately is to normalize normal bodies because mm-hmm. I grew up, we all grew up seeing like these tiny women, these perfectly in shape women on TV and in magazines and celebrities and musicians. And I really do feel like in the past decade or so, just creating, yeah, um, diversity in body types and skin colors and gender and, you know, just creating this whole world where there's something for everyone where especially, and I remember seeing, um, like the cast of never have I ever, which is like this amazing, like Indian woman who's the lead and she's so cute and I love her. And, and she talked about how she wanted to be a role model for girls, young girls that look like her and, that she never saw anyone that looked like her on TV when she was younger. And yeah, I was just like, yes, ma'am. And I just am happy with the direction that it's, that our world is headed in. I really do think that we've reached a point where so many people do want to prioritize feeling good, overlooking a specific way. And I, I know that that's the chapter I'm in because yeah. I finally accepted, especially as a woman, our bodies are going to fluctuate from year to year, yeah, from month to month, like from, you know, week to week, yeah. like, like you always weigh more during your period. Like these things, I, I think to be fair, you know, you and I grew up in the time when cocaine skinny models were in like the nineties were a really rough time to be a young girl growing up and what we really saw. And, you know, I found this Instagram that I'll have to share with you and I'll share with everyone in the episode notes, but there's this woman who has been basically taking 
actors and actresses and all these women from the 90s and early 2000 culture and basically who we we as society and the media thought was fat who aren't fat at all and it's hilarious and some of the people are Kate Winslet um and Hillary Duff and um all these people and it's amazing because the, the way that she says it she's like here's somebody that um, the media said was fat who didn't and it probably messed with your development and it's true because we thought people like it was like Jessica Simpson when she gained all that weight and this and this girl is you know a thicker woman she you know she's like totally body positive and like all this stuff and she's like I looked at this picture of Jessica Simpson and I thought she's disgusting and like we all you know we had that she's like but uh, she's, and then she showed this picture of herself and she's like, but this is what I looked like in, <laughs> in 2003 or whenever it was. And she was like, but because we were being told by the paparazzi, she looks horrible. What happened to her? She's off the rails. Like we all thought those things. And so yeah. that's what we grew up in. Yeah. I mean, Kate Winslet was a, a, an overweight actress in Hollywood. That blows my mind. She was probably like 130 pounds. Seriously. I feel like she's like the the perfect, like, especially her in like Titanic because she's got yeah. curves and that, like, well, that's Justin, exactly. Dustin always talks about how those were the first boobs he ever saw. Like, <laughs> yeah, for a lot of us. Titanic. So it's like the picture perfect, like curvy, like Marilyn Monroe. You yeah, know? she's a Botticelli. Like, yes. Hands down. But yeah, I mean, so she was the person. So I guess the point was like for girls that were growing up who were heavier, like those were the people that were like, oh, that's my role model that's heavier and curvy. Mm-hmm. But like she was still thin. Or um, Drew Barrymore is another one who was constantly, I think they, for um, never been kissed, they called her fat. Like there's Ugh. just so much of this stuff. And so the, that was what the era that we grew up in. And so. Yeah so many people that I know have issues with their bodies and, mm-hmm. and well, something yeah. a celebrity lately, especially in the younger world is like Billie Eilish, who for the mm-hmm. first year of her career wore only baggy clothes, you know, mm-hmm. because she said out loud, like she didn't want to be defined by what her body looked like. And I was like, I agree with you, girl. Like I agree. But at the same time now in this new era, all of her pictures are very feminine and she dyed her hair blonde and she's wearing tighter clothing and this gorgeous Vogue shoot came out with her in this like lingerie style kind of clothes where she's finally showing like her shape and she is gorgeous and like sexy but she's in a larger body than most the media thinks is like normal right and that's what that's where I want to get is like and I've I've been trying to use a language more like that, like a like a smaller body or a larger body or a medium right. body or a curvier body. Right. Like it's, it's not like it's not like it's heavier, you know? It's like right, right, it, right. It, it's tough because I I see her and I'm like, oh, she looks good. But yeah. she's a curvy woman. And, yeah. And so and, what do you say? Is it like, do we say thick? Do we say I think that that's like helpful to kind of frame some of that up because I I don't know. I really refer to myself that I'm in a larger body. I have a, I'm in a larger body. I'm taller, you know, I'm curvier. Like those are kind of the words I have always used to associate with myself. And I try to use with clients too. And and I had a conversation recently um, with a gorgeous, gorgeous mid twenties girl who's in a smaller body. She's shorter and 
she is curvy and she has a gorgeous figure and she's nervous about being in a bathing suit around some of her friends and and it it just it really like those conversations break my heart because I'm like you are gorgeous like especially clients that I'm like I wish I had your shape you know like especially when I was in my mid like early 20s and and I think it's really just all about finding clothing that makes you feel confident in your body. Yeah. And feel good, but you're not taught. Like that's the thing, like even, you know, just kind of going back to the Kardashians, right. I always was pear shaped. I've always had a bigger, butt. like, and you know, until JLo, right. And, and Kim Kardashian, like that wasn't a thing. And I remember looking up to them being like, well, it's like big butts are in now. Like that's so great. But I didn't look like either one of them because my butt had cellulite on it Mm -hmm. and saddlebags and like things that normally when you have a heavy, I'm going to say heavier, a larger bottom (laughs) half. Okay. I won't say heavy anymore. A larger (laughs) bottom half, which I've always had. That's what my body, that's what it really looked like. And I hated it. I hated it so much. It was so hard because I never fit into clothes. Right. Yeah. Right. Like I never could, you know, shop in Abercrombie like everybody else because I needed stretch. Yeah. (laughs) Size inclusivity, size inclusivity. And I've been following a lot of people on TikTok too, who, who talk about like size inclusive brands and, and the best jeans for people who have a larger, butt. you know, cause I do too. I've got the hips and the butt. Yeah. There's a couple of brands. I know Madewell is a really great one. Um, I've heard yeah. a lot about a jean brand called a Goldie that like is just made to fit like a curvier butt. Um, yeah. That can also fit your waist. And yes. like, instead of having, you know, when American Eagle does a really good job at it and you and I have talked about their bathing suits and stuff like that. What I really love about shopping at Aerie and American Eagle is that when I'm looking at the pictures, I'm looking how they act, the bathing suits and the clothes actually look on bodies Yes, that, you know, look like me or look like you or my friend or my, you know, like they, that is what we want to see. Like, I want to see that somebody has cellulite. It doesn't matter what size you are. People have cellulite, but we're taught to like, get rid of cellulite. That's it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it's normal, like, and stretch marks. Yes. I have stretch marks from all of the weight I've gained and weight I've lost and all of that stuff. I have stretch marks and women that have babies have stretch marks. I just like, would love it if we were celebrating these things a lot more and seeing them. Something that I've spoken about on my, on my Instagram that I feel really strongly about is people stopping the discussion about other people's bodies. Like when I got really sick, and I had gained a lot of weight and then versus continuing to be sick and starting different medications and losing weight. Like a lot of people recently that haven't seen me are very jarred by how I look because I had lost a lot of weight. And it makes me feel really self-conscious because I'm not over here, like being like, yes, I'm on some diet program. Like part of it is my body settling into my body because I had been so inflamed and now it's healing. And so my body's going back to I'm five feet tall. I am a smaller body. I've been small and petite my entire life. Like I'm just, my body's kind of just going back to normal. And then also being on things like medications that have made me sick and stuff like that. And people saying to me, don't lose any more weight or, you know, 
I don't know, just like, oh God, you got so skinny. That is triggering to me. I'm like, shut up. Like mind yeah. your business. Like, yes, excuse yes. me. <laughs> I would love to stop losing weight, you know, great problem to have, you know, people would say, right. But I'm also throwing up in between meetings. Like, is that cool? Like, it, so there's like that stuff to me about people's bodies, especially women is like, just, just don't stop. Yeah. Just don't just don't <laughs> like we we have enough of a voice in our head. We don't need to hear what you think too. Like it's good. And I think that that's really the point of it all is like, yeah, we all have our own journey, our own idea of what is healthy and what should be healthy and, and, and finding the right people who support you in that and, and really just communicating with others, what makes you feel good. And, and yeah, like, I, I think I've told you too, at the time where I was severely underweight, um, that's when I got like the most compliments. Like, it's like, oh my God, like you look so great. You've lost so much weight. Oh my God. And it's like, well, I feel like shit. Like nobody's asking me how I feel. Right. Like, how yeah. are you doing? You know, you look amazing. You look right. like, you know, you're about to keel over and yeah, yeah. that's, you know, I think, I think just to kind of close this whole thing, like what are some tips that you have or you give to clients just on eating intuitively and just like how to kind of take care of their body without going to a restrictive place. I always ask people what their favorite foods are. Like what, what are the things you wouldn't want to give up and then try to show them how they can eat that still, but feel good. Um, and I, I work with a lot of people with food sensitivities that are like, but I, I always have pizza every weekend and that's like my boyfriend's and my thing. And, and I'm like, well, guess what? Like you can still have pizza. Um, here's this pizza crust you can buy. Here's this really yummy cashew cheese you can put on it. And, and you, here's a recipe, you know, I try to provide them with the tools and like, especially families with kids that it's like, well, we want to have those Christmas cookies on Christmas Eve. It's like, you still can like, here's a recipe. Here's um, you know, my friend, Michelle Hoover, who has her blog on Bell Wellness, mm -hmm. who is an amazing AIP blogger. She just came out with a packaged AIP sugar cookie mix that you can mm -hmm. buy on her website. Like there are so many resources now yeah. to still enjoy your life and eat the way that you always have, but through trading and upgrading to better ingredients. And so I really do think that that's what helps people be successful in the long run because they are still incorporating that balance, right? And and teaching people about, you know, specific kinds of enzymes that they can take, digestive enzymes, if they do go out and like yeah. have a slip up or like have a moment where they're like, oh, but I really want a bite of that. It's like, you know what? Right. That's like me with the Oreos. Like I knew what I was doing and yeah. I knew what I was in of it. Yeah. Exactly. It was an educated decision, but it's important to be educated in order to make those decisions for yourself. And so I just try to fuel people with the knowledge and education to help them make decisions for themselves so that they can choose to feel good if they want to. Um, and, yeah. and I don't want anybody to be held back by just not knowing what the right like meal plan is for them. I've, I've tried to get away from saying diet a lot, like, like yeah. the paleo diet, or it makes it sound like it's restrictive or like it's short-term, but a yeah. paleo meal plan, it's like a paleo lifestyle. Yeah. Are kind of words I've tried to use more often because then it's like, 
I'm not on a diet. I haven't been on a diet right. in 10 years. So like, right. Totally. <laughs> I know. I get a lot of that too. Like people would be like, Oh, I, I remember the first time that Rob and I went out after, um, like just like generally the pandemic. Right. And people were like, Oh, what's your diet? Or does Rob follow your diet? And I'm like, I don't diet. <laughs> um, but like in terms of just like nutrition and, and clinical, like the way that we actually refer to it within the the school is like dietary pattern, right? It's like the pattern in which you eat, right? Cause that's actually what diet means. It's just kind of like the way your way of eating. And, you know, my, my advice to anyone that is trying to figure out how they should eat. Cause I do think that part of the issue also is people are confused and they feel like they're overwhelmed by all the information. And so the things that I always say are like, one is try to get with a practitioner like Mel or like me who knows how to help you figure these things out and how to help give you resources on how to eat. And then it's also figuring out your food intolerances and your sensitivities is a big one. I always say just removing the foods that you, your body can't process and have is good. So like doing the blood work or again, working with a practitioner on that. Um, another thing that I'm really big on that Mel knows, cause I talk about all the time is nutrigenomics, which is eating specifically for your genetic makeup. So that could be finding somebody like me who knows how to read the genetic code and kind of can help you figure those things out. But I, I really am a really big proponent of that. And there's some really great websites as well that do it. My gene food is my favorite. They really get deep. And, and if it gets confusing, that's where you have a practitioner to kind of help you walk through that. A lot of my clients actually do that platform. And then I actually have to like interpret it for them because they're like, wait a second, there's like some stuff that's contradictory. And I'm like, okay, but it means this. Um, and then, yeah, I think that that's pretty much, pretty much all the things that I go for. Oh, and there's the last thing is just making sure that you're nourished. It's really important to, with cravings, and with anything going on in your body that you are just making sure that you eat foods that are high in nutrients. So like I have this kind of rule of thumb, which I hate to call a rule. It's more of a guideline of not eating foods that are non-nutrients. So foods that don't have any nutritious value to me is like a waste. I don't, it's not always hundred percent possible, but as much as you can, you know, looking at your food, like, what is this doing for me functionally? Am I going to eat this apple? And then it's going to help my digestive system. It has, you know, all these vitamins in it. Like that to me is like the best thing that you can do for your body. So yeah, that's all, that's all my advice on figuring that piece out. I agree. Like nourish yourselves, give your body what it needs and let it be the shape and size it wants to be. As long as you're treating it kindly and with love and giving yourself the nutrition that you need to be healthy and to heal and to feel good. And that that's the ultimate goals, right? Just as long as we are giving our bodies what it needs to be healthy, we will shine from the inside out. And, and no matter what size or shape your body is, I think that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally mirror that. And, you know, I think this kind of takes us into hot goss because we're going to talk about starstruck, which ah, has a leading lady who is curvilicious and just like leaning into her sexuality and something I've been hearing a lot lately, which maybe you can explain to me is the sex positive thing that's going on. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but she's sex positive. I think. (laughs) I, well, it, I feel like it really has been uh, Katie Thurston, the new Bachelorette. <clears throat> They've been talking about it nonstop that she's sex positive. And it's really just like 
normalizing conversation about sex, uh, especially if it's like a woman bringing it up with a man, it's not like interpreting them as being slutty or whatever. It's like, oh, we're women and we also have sex, um, you know, maybe just as much or if not more than men, it just, you know, is that what that means to me? Here's my, here's my millennial take on this whole sex positive thing. (laughs) I think it's amazing. And it should have been like this since day one, but just the phrasing of it makes me feel like I have an STD. Like, why am I, am I positive in what chlamydia? Like, I don't understand. I just don't get the phrasing. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Just normalizing sex. Right. That's fine. Like that I'm cool with, but I just feel weird about it, but I just keep hearing it. I was also hearing it on a show on TLC and they were saying it. So it's been in my peripheral a lot. Yeah. But I think that that's great. And that's, that show does a really great job of that. Uh Of her kind of owning her sexuality, doing what she wants just, you know, to kind of do it. And, and without that being shamed or judged or even talked about in the show, I think that that's what is letting it feel it's normalizing it. Right. Yeah. I, my sister and I talk about this a lot that there's just not as many women in fuller sized bodies that are on television as the leading lady and she she even found a book last year that she read that was about a plus-sized bachelorette that was like a season of the bachelorette but it was a this gorgeous like plus-size model that they ended up choosing for a season because it especially when we were younger being larger it's like we didn't ever see that on tv of like the the romance being about that girl right right and she's always a funny friend yeah you know yes like exactly pitch perfect fat amy like <laughs> i i can't it actually like no need to even say that i know i'm sorry no, um, no but, but right. it's but it's horrible and the bachelorette still is behind i mean oh, yeah, i yeah. i've talked about this with with my girlfriends for years of just like there's never anybody that has a hair out of place, let alone somebody that's curvy, mm-hmm. let alone somebody that looks different, you know, people of color, like, and, and when they do have a person of color, that person is a model. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And that's amazing. It's a step, but it's a small step. Like, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, Not I a mean, real person. Oh, the bachelor franchise. But the good yeah. news is starstruck was one of the first of its kind. And I, I jumped right into it. I binged the whole thing in one night because it's only six episodes and they're like 25 minutes each. You can do the yeah. whole thing in three hours. So it really was just like a longer movie and it was written, directed and starring, uh, this comedian who is amazing. Her name is uh Rose something. She's so funny. She's from, from New Zealand and she is just a normal, a totally normal 20, seven-year-old or something and she ends up drunkenly hooking up with a celebrity and she doesn't know he's a celebrity until the next morning when she wakes up and she's like oh my god you're a movie star and (laughs) and then he ends up just like having a crush on her and she doesn't know what to do because she's like he's famous and he's hot and this one joke that I just love was that she's like people are gonna look at us like that cute photo of like the Labrador and the hedgehog like oh it's so (laughs) so cute And, and he's like he's like but I don't think that's silly and she's like well no shit you're the Labrador dude like right, I'm the hedgehog right. and it's just so funny but it's so real and and the yeah. I was laughing so much and it's like these are the types of things that you know maybe I do have dreams where Chris Hemsworth like sweeps me off my feet but I mean he's Thor like he's 
muscular and sexy and hot and like totally unreachable but in this show it becomes normal it's like this normal girl who who is gorgeous and curvy and like not your average leading lady gets swept off her feet by this celebrity and it is so fun to watch because it's so relatable and I highly recommend it's on HBO max and Amanda watched it soon. After I did. I, <laughs> I did. And so the writer is Rose Matafeo. Thank you. Yes. Um, she is Samoan, which I think is super cool just because I don't know if everybody knows my obsession with the rock, but I really do love the rock <laughs> and he's also Samoan, um, which is like really, <laughs> I didn't just know really that. <laughs> a fun fact, you know, how deep I get into these people when I start getting into, into yeah. it. So yeah, it was, that was really great. Um, a really nice watch yes. this past week. I, I really needed it. You were, I was not feeling a hundred percent and you were like, yeah, let's, let's have a laugh. And so that was, that was really good. So good. And, and on the opposite end of the laughs, we also watched the cruel summer finale this week, which was definitely yeah. not laughable, but I don't know. Very- yeah, it was good. I, I'm glad that they closed it up. You know, I, I would have lost a lot of respect for them if they didn't actually close the circle. Like, I think I'm just glad that they did. And yeah, they ended it. It has, but the ending was just such a shock. And I was not, I did not see that coming with Jeanette. And I screamed, I screamed so loud at my TV and I was like, oh my God, like, are they going to continue the story now? Because how could they? I feel like they really did wrap a bow and everything. And I, I looked it up and it sounds like either they're going to do like an American horror story thing where they start over with a new story, but with the same cast, or they're going to do a new cast with like a similar kind of story but continue with like the same like anthology where it's like different years where they combine the story all together that way Mm. they said that they really liked that aspect of writing so it sounds like it's not going to be a continuation of the story but who knows they haven't written it yet so right I'm sure if popularity builds enough that everybody's like but we love those people we love those actors like bring her back bring the story back we want to know what happens because there are a lot of plot holes let me tell you yes for sure sure. (laughs) but all in all I really did enjoy it and I think that the the 10 episodes were worth the wait because it was really slow at points but that ending I was like okay like they meant business like they had that planned and now I want to rewatch it kind of yeah. I don't know if I could, cause there were some serious plot holes. Like I think I told you, I mean, for a show set in the nineties and I'm just a nineties kid, so I'm just going to be so picky, but they had like snacks that just came out a couple of years ago. And I'm like, we didn't have those snacks. Why are those in the show? Come on. Yeah, come the on. Hi- the hippies, come on right? hippies. Yeah. <laughs> come on hippies. Do better. Somebody left that in the background. Like do better. Do better. I know you paid for that placement. Do better. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I'll still recommend it and I probably will still watch season two, but it definitely, it was, yeah, it was not like 100% the best. It wasn't panic, you know, but <laughs> I mean, nothing is panic. Actually, my parents asked me after listening to our podcast last episode, if they should watch panic. And so oh. I don't know what, I, I don't know. I said, it's kind of like outer banks and they're like, well, we like outer banks. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Go ahead, then watch it. See, see what you think. Yeah. I'm curious to hear their opinion. Cause I think my parents might watch it too. Cause they're like, oh, it's in Texas. I'm like, yeah. Oh, the last scene in cruel summer with Kate and, um, Kate and Mallory, um, 
the Dallas skyline, I literally know exactly where they were because they, they film it in Dallas and, and the big ball, the reunion, reunion tower in Dallas mm-hmm. is right behind them. And I'm like, oh my God, like I know exactly where they That's are. Which so is so funny. I feel so like everything fun. is filmed in Dallas. Like why is no, everything in Texas? No, everything is filmed is te- in Dallas. Everything is Texas that's come out this year. I mean, so be it. But I think the people are just like <laughs> tired of LA and New York, apparently. They're like, let's go to the podunk towns in Texas. Create True. some stories there. True. I know you've just been non-stop watching RuPaul lately. So. I know. It's it's just that I got access to the World of Wonder app. So World of Wonder is the production company, I think, that does all the RuPaul stuff. So I was desperately trying to figure out how to watch RuPaul UK the second season, and I could not find anywhere that it was except maybe BBC, but like it just there was nowhere in America to watch it. And so I had to download wow and subscribe to it. And then that unleashed an entire world of RuPaul for me. There's, I watched Canada. I watched, um, Australia, which was filming now. And so I I couldn't even watch the finale because it hadn't happened yet. And I was like, Oh my God, I have my finger on the pulse of, of RuPaul. And then (laughs) To to my dismay, they launched the new season of RuPaul All-Stars. They're on season six, and it is a star-studded cast, and it is so good, And but it's not on WoW. It's only on Paramount, because I don't know why Ru is playing games with my heart, but it's only on Paramount now, so had to then download Paramount and now the first two episodes are out. Rob and I watched them yesterday. We're really excited. And yeah. And we're both going to be watching the newest season of Working Moms, which just got released on Netflix last week, which is just one of my favorites. And I think we started that in the pandemic, honestly. Like, I think we just watched the first four or five seasons and now the new one's out and it's so funny. And if, if you are a mom who has a job and has kids, like, I know you could relate to this, but even if you don't like me, every episode is so funny and, and it's a really lighthearted and fun, easy watch. If that's something you're looking for right now, but as far as recommendations, that's what we got, but we got a lot yeah. ahead in July, Virgin river, never have I ever outer banks things are happening for us it's all summer. happening yeah well, so lots to come and and really excited to watch and share it's gonna be great yeah stay tuned everybody but we always appreciate you guys listening to us and supporting us and hopefully finding some relatable content in this episode about diet culture because we know this has been swirling around in our heads for the past couple of months as we've prepped for wanting to talk about it on the podcast but if you enjoyed it please give us a rating or subscribe or a comment on apple music we would appreciate you forever and as always stay healthy 